Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ with you. This is Front Row Knowles. Keith, it's been a little while, all of 48 hours or so since you and I conversed on the ugly yet pretty or pretty yet ugly win over Georgia Tech. How are you, sir? I'm focused on 50 minutes and I'm discounting 10 minutes. So we're going to go with the positive. Uh, unfortunately, it may take 60 this week against Miami, which is not what any of the metric statistics or anything or the eye test would say. However, History would say that uh, if you give Miami any inkling of a chance, this will be a dogfight until the very end. We've talked about it. Our listeners could recite it back to us. These are rivalry games. When you talk about Miami, you talk about Florida, you can literally throw out the records, throw out the statistics, throw out the metrics. Each game will take on its own uh, personality. You'll have some unsung people that will rise to be stars. You'll have some guys that you you were totally counting on to have absolutely unbelievable performances, and they won't do anything. And that's the way rivalry games go. Amen to that. A night game as per usual. And Syracuse game, by the way, also announces a night game, Keith. And speaking 100% selfishly as a guy who likes sleep but travels with the team, uh, that makes every road game this year, which has been a primetime game, which is certainly good and speaks to FSU's brand, but it doesn't help my slumber situation. Well, the good news is, Tommy, in prior years, when I was also traveling with you, we would have to record our quote-unquote Sunday show sitting in my pickup truck in the parking lot at the Moore Center at 3 or 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. We don't have to do that anymore. At least you get a little bit of shut-eye And though our listeners don't have to look at you, because trust me, you don't look any better, you do sound better when you get a little rest. Well, thank you for that, Keith. I appreciate the backhanded compliment there. Anyway, Florida State at uh, Seminole Hard Rock. I'm always going to put Seminole in front of that. Feels like, stating the obvious here, since he had zero carries last week, Jordan Travis's legs will will mix into this one. Maybe Treshawn Ward will be back. I think it comes down for all our talk about what the skill guys, receivers, running backs, DBs, whatever. Do we count you as a skill guy, as a safety, Keith? Were you a skill guy? No, I was just a player. <laughs> Not a mule. You were a little more than a mule, though. No, I was a, I was a mule. I was one of the mules. That's okay. the one thing I'm very proud of. I was a mule. It feels like it comes down to the line of scrimmage is what I was going to say. And, and Miami is pretty good on the – their defense is not bad, and that will be a challenge for FSU's OL – uh, conversely, I think Miami's OL is pretty beat up and FSU has Fabian Lovett back and verse healthier. And it feels like that 
uh, that way is going to be tilted in FSU's favor. Well, I had the chance to talk to uh, the voice of the Canes, Joe Zagaki. That's coming up in, uh, in our second segment. Uh, and he will tell you that because of injuries, particularly on the offensive side, that there's not a lot of hope that Miami will generate the offense. They did not score a touchdown in their victory against Virginia, although they showed a great deal of, of grit and determination. And that's one of the things that Coach Cristobal you know, has been absolutely preaching to this squad since he came to Coral Gables. Uh, but yeah, and, and the bottom line, and we'll talk about this more as we, we develop, you know, the running game. You know, statistically and, and in history, the the squad that runs the ball best is the one that wins this ball game. We'll see if that plays out again Saturday night. Well, that would that would bode well for FSU, I would think. All right. So we'll your conversation with the voice of the Canes, Joe Zagaki, is up next. I appreciate you taking that one solo. And then uh, I'll be back for our, our chat with our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. That is all straight ahead here on Front Row Knowles. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Fall is in the air. Football season's here, and your best deals are still at Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Whether you're tailgating at the game or taking a trip, we got what you need. With new vehicles rolling in daily and the best used car inventory in North Florida and South Georgia, it's a great time to buy. Looking for a truck? How about the RST or the Trailblazer, LTZ, High Country, or the ZR2? We've always got the right truck for you. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for listening in on Front Row Knowles. Keith Jones here with you. We're going to open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And we're going to welcome a long, long time friend, of the show, the voice of the Miami Hurricanes, Mr. Joe Zagaki. Joe, how you doing? Good, Jonesy. How are you? Excited about Miami and Florida State. Always love this game, and uh, I kind of just feel like it's uh, you know our Super Bowl, Miami Super Bowl, and Florida State Super Bowl. Neither team is in championship contention, but they are in championship contention for bragging rights for 365 days. You know, this game had such a, a high profile nationally for so many years, but I think what people don't realize is for those of us that have been around it for a while, while the national spotlight might've dimmed, the state spotlight has not. It still has the same relevance for bragging rights and recruiting and all the other things that go into it. Yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, uh, you know, I, I was talking with uh, my broadcast partner, Don Bailey, and you, know, you got to really go back. And I was telling the guys, look, you can't forget in our pregame to mention Howard Schnellenberger and Bobby Bowden. There's no way around it. Those two guys were responsible for great football in this state. And uh, Coach Bowden, I remember uh, prior to the 1980 season, he came down here to Miami to promote the game with Howard Schnellenberger. They went over to the Fifth Street Gym on Miami Beach and took pictures and video of each guy holding up. You know, Howard had the pipe and Bobby had a boxing glove uh, to promote football in the state. So without those two guys, 
we probably wouldn't have had all the great years that we did. And uh, hopefully the guys in charge now, Mike Norvell and Mario Cristobal, can get it back to where it was. But regardless, it's still Miami and Florida State. It's generations, it's legacies, it's families, it's friends. My best friend is a Seminole. You know, this becomes an adversarial week for us, no matter what. So, uh, you know, that's what, what this game means. It's uh, bragging rights for 365 days for the winner and wait until next year for the loser. Joe, both programs uh, a little bit on the downside and then starting back up. Let's talk specifically about the Hurricanes. When, when Van Dyke came on the scene, it appeared that Miami was headed for new heights. Injuries, now the three-headed quarterback. I mean, there, there are some things that the Miami offense has struggled with that um, will probably right themselves if you're a Florida State faithful come Saturday night. Yeah, well, I hope you're right. But, you know, it's been the like the unperfect storm. Uh, you had, you know, Mario Cristobal comes in. He's got a vision for for the way he wants his football team to look. And he's trying to um, he's trying to put his footprint and on this program with his offensive line coach and then bring in Josh Gaddis. And together, they're trying to mold an offense that's different than what Van Dyke had last year. So you start off there with kind of different philosophies. And Van Dyke, to me, was a little bit like uh, Dan Marino in attitude. When Marino was here, Don Shula always said, we're going to give you a running game to help you out. And Marino's like, yeah, okay. I know a running game can help me out, but you know what really helps? My right arm. And, and I think Van Dyke's kind of the same way. Here comes Mario, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to be physical at the point of attack. We're going to balance. We're going to run it. Van Dyke, he just wants to throw it. So I, I think they kind of butted heads, and, and, and then they found a happy medium. And about the time they were going to find that happy medium, you know, you lose your starting left tackle. You lose your um, starting wide receiver. In training camp, you lost your best running back. You lost perhaps your best freshman. Well, you lost your best freshman running back, who might have been the best running back of them all. Then you lost your center, and then you lost your right guard. Then you lost your tight end. Then you lost your quarterback. So, you know, going into the Florida State game with a backup quarterback and a bunch of other backups is probably not ideal. And, you know, the fan base thinks, oh, fire the offensive coordinator. Well, I don't know. There aren't, they're not swimming in great options right now. Certainly, offenses struggled against the UVA. You did gut out the win, uh, four overtimes. That might be the lowest scoring four overtime game I've ever seen. <laughs> but the kids showed some resiliency. Yeah, there's some people out, but the the core and what Cristobal's done from an attitude standpoint, at least to me, an outsider, appeared to be catching on. See, I think that was good for them. I think they needed to be in a game like that, uh, take out the fact that it, it was, you know, no touchdowns were scored. Put in, it took four overtimes to win. It was easy to give up in a game like that. Hell, they were accused of quitting the week before against Duke in the fourth quarter. Perhaps they could have surrendered in this game against Virginia on the road, but they did not. They kept fighting. And even Garcia, who didn't play that well, I thought it was fitting that the game ended with him diving into the end zone for the two-point conversion, just trying to find a way to win. Okay, I couldn't do it with my arm. Offense was bogged down. But come hell or high water, I'm running this ball in to win it. And the defense had a couple of goal line stands. Virginia in four overtimes, Jonesy, gained two yards. 
two yards and four overtimes. Miami played their best football at the toughest moments. So I think that uh, was significant for what you said with Mario Cristobal because he's been t- trying to preach to them. And I think he's right about this. One of the things that's been a weakness of Miami is when the game has gotten tougher, they haven't gotten tougher through the years. And uh, as a result, there are a lot of games and seasons. Miami uh, did not win a game in the fourth quarter. And what did that mean? Well, it was the difference between a nine-win season and a 10-win season and an 11-win season many times. So maybe we got to go all the way back to the starting line and, and establish finding a backbone, and maybe that's what happened last week. Well, and if you look at this series in the whole – it is very clear the team that runs the ball best wins this ball game. Yeah. The running game is going to be very pronounced for on both sides. Well, I look at the matchup and I go, okay, here we go. Florida State, 209 yards a game on the ground, uh, nearly six yards per carry. Yeah, Benson's running like a wild man. Toa Feely is all over the place, slaloming through the defense. Jordan Travis might be the fastest guy out there. Uh, that's going to be a challenge for Miami. But by the way, Miami's number three in run defense inside the ECC at 113 yards a game. So that's their strength. Obviously, that's Florida State's strength, and I'm I'm with you. Uh, if Miami, from the Miami perspective, if they're to win, they've got to stop that run game. I don't know how much Miami can run for, but I do know this. They've got to find a way to control the tempo. We on the Florida State side, always bemoan the game coming down to a kick because that is not fared very well. Uh, but I think Miami would be real pleased if it got down to a kick with the performance, uh, at least from last week. What are your thoughts? Well, Bora Gallus made four. And my thoughts are, again, that was important because last year he hit one off the upright for the win against Virginia. 33-yard uh, chip shot, he knocked it off the uprights. He missed a, he's missed a couple in his career. He's actually 14 for 17 this year, and in his career, he's 31 for 38. But that being said, he's made 31 field goals. I've said all along, okay, that's good. Make one when it matters. <laughs> and he did last week. You know, he got, he got four 31 field goals, but prior to that, you know, the, I was like, well, make one for the win. Make one from 50 plus when it matters. And last week he did. And I was a little bit worried because I'm like, Oh no, this is the game last year that sent Miami sideways in for the win chip shot, field goal, hit it off the left upright. Ironically, Virginia hit one off the left upright last week and it went through. And when it went through, I thought, Oh no, is this, is this what this series is going to be? The football gods are going to laugh at us like that. But he did make them. And by the way, Lou Headley, you know, he's an outstanding punter. I know you guys got the uh, the punter. I call him the Andy Peedle. He punts with both feet. Your guy. <laughs> I was telling some people the other day, I am not ambidextrous. I do things with different hands and different feet, but I can't do it with both. So he is a little unique in that regard. Joe, while I've got you, a big picture thing. We've seen a lot happening in the conference, uh, realignment, uh, TV deals, um, what, what do you think about the, the partnership? It's a rivalry. It's a rivalry. But I think there's a partnership and a need to support uh, Miami and Florida State doing things together so that uh, the state of Florida is represented. What are your thoughts going forward about what might happen and how this might play itself out? And yeah, I, specifically, as how does it relate to Florida State and Miami? 
I would like to carry that banner with you. And nobody wants to listen. You know, I think uh, Miami's been in the ACC now. I think it's 18 years. That's a long time. And I understand that, you know, Miami, the ACC would be in much better shape right now with all this conference realignment if Miami and Florida State had done what they did previous to, you know, uh, Miami coming in when Miami was in the Big East. I think when Miami, the last four years that Miami was in the Big East, they had four 11-win seasons, and they were ranked uh, 11, first or second in each year. Since then, they've won 10 games one time. And, and that being said, Jonesy, I, and, and this guy, Drew Carter, I think it was, in, in the Raleigh Observer, took Miami apart last week. And I thought to myself, okay, you know, he said Miami's got the worst um, attendance in the environment, which is not true. Um, what has the ACC done for Miami or Florida State? I can't think of anything. Not recently. Uh, you know, I don't and, – and, you know, you want Miami and Florida State to be good, you got to find ways to help them. So what does that mean? Well, you know, I'm not going to get into the, the, to the officiating thing, even though the officiating, officiating is terrible, and most of the officials are from, you know, the Carolinas and Virginia. But a couple years ago – uh, Mark Rick's first year, Miami played Florida State, followed by North Carolina, followed by a Thursday night game at Virginia Tech, followed by a game at Notre Dame. So how are you supposed to survive those four games when you throw a, a Thursday night game at Virginia Tech in there, which is one of the toughest places to go? A couple of years ago, Florida State was our best chance to win in the ACC for the conference. They send them to Virginia Tech on a Thursday night. They put Clemson in a game on a Friday at Syracuse. That's dumb. You know, you got to find ways to help your premier teams, whether it's through scheduling or whatever else, money. Uh, maybe, you know, the money should not be evenly distributed. They're putting Miami and Florida State on in all these prime times or try to, and they backload the schedule for November for ratings. And, oh, by the way, I don't know how you feel about it in Tallahassee, but I know this, a 12 o'clock game in South Florida doesn't sell. I don't care who they're playing. It doesn't sell. If you want a better environment for Miami, put them at 7 o'clock. Sam Jankovic used to say, we're playing our games at 7 o'clock. You want to televise it? Bring the camera at 7 o'clock. I just think it's been uh, one-sided. And Miami and Florida State, I agree with you, they do need to stick together. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think the ACC fell asleep a couple years ago because they could have had Texas before they went to uh, the Southeastern Conference. But I think Miami and Florida State and Clemson would be three teams that the SEC and the Big Ten will be looking at. There is that possibility. There always is. Last thing, Joe, uh, at least the legacy and the history is getting a little bit. You alluded to it. 7.30 primetime kickoff down at, uh, I still call it Joe Robbie. Don't reach through and grab me. I know it's hard rock, but I still call it Joe Robbie. What can we expect from a crowd standpoint? What do you think the game, not necessarily not asking you to predict scores. I would pre- predict Florida State. You'd predict probably Miami. But what do you think the game will unfold and look like uh, for this national audience? Well, I think it's going to have a great crowd. I think it's going to be a lot of energy before the game. Hard Rock is a great venue. And it's a lot like the Orange Bowl. You put 50,000 people in there, which isn't a sellout. The place is deafening. Uh, but I think it'll be close to a sell. I think there'll be a lot of Florida State fans there. Night games are always great. So I think the environment's going to be wild at the beginning. Uh, the spread is seven, justifiably so. Florida State, 
uh, probably has the edge right now because of the injuries to Miami. Florida State knows what their identity is. So from the Miami perspective, they got to drag Florida State out of that identity, which they can't let them run the ball up and down the field and get into their run game and play action. It'd be much better, I think, if Travis is in a drop-back game and holding the ball. The quicker he gets rid of the ball, the better for Florida State. Or the quicker he runs out of the pocket, probably the better for Florida State. Miami's got to turn him over, uh, get him in a drop-back game. Uh, they're going to have to rely on their defense. Miami's defense has to carry the day. So they got to find a way to take the ball away, got to find a way to get some negative plays, and don't give up big plays, and they've been susceptible to some of those big plays. They got to contain Wilson, 14, those two running backs, and Travis. Um, and then on the other side, uh, Miami's offensive line, I think they found something with their guard, Cooper, but the quarterback situation is worrisome. Uh, again, I think for Miami to score, they got to generate offense from their defense. So get a short field, get some takeaways. Miami's got to make it the long game, a four-quarter game. Florida State could probably win this game in the first half and send everybody to the aisles, or at least the Miami fans, into frustration early. Miami's got to avoid that. The voice of the Miami Hurricanes, Joe Zagaki. Joe, it's it's always a pleasure to chat with you. You've been a good friend for a long, long time. Wish you much. Uh, we'll we'll see you down in uh, uh, Miami Gardens. Is that what we're supposed to call it? Yeah, right in the county line, Miami yeah. Gardens. By the way, all this stuff about new stadium, maybe a stadium on campus. Here's a short version for Miami. If they win, they could build a stadium on the moon and people would go. <laughs> Well said. We'll look forward to Saturday night at 7.30, 7.30. Stay with us. We'll be back with uh, Tom Block and more right after this. Loading the kids in the car, brokering peace in the back seat, mastering the snack handoff without even looking. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things like figuring out what's growing in that cup holder. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles, Keith. I appreciate you doing the heavy lifting there, talking to Joe Zagacki, the voice of the Canes last segment. And uh, how many years in a row have we done that? Pretty much every year we've done Front Row Knowles, we've talked to Joe, I think. Oh, gosh, we're we're certainly in double digits, maybe approaching 15. I like flying left seat, but I'm much more comfortable flying right seat. So you fly away, pilot. Well, I appreciate you uh, knocking that interview out. I'm I'm back in here for better or worse. Uh, keep keep your parachute on, though, okay? You know what I'm saying, KJ? Understood, let's, understood. Let, let's open up the uh, Earl Bacon Agency hotline once again. The Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And say hello to our Osceola insider, Bob Frante. Hey, Bob, how are you, sir? Doing well. How are you guys? 
Good. You go back a little ways on this series. When was your first FSU Miami game? The f- probably the first ones I watched you know, as a little kid, just enjoying these games. I, I think the best stories I've heard are, are the guys talking about the 1987 game and just, you know, urging coach Bowden to go for it and just what a win would have meant in, in that situation ahead of the scenario of the tie. And, and just the, the cool story that you hear about, um, about that decision and the 1987 game. And then all those guys who went on to play in the NFL, but there's so many cool memories, just where you were, who you were sitting next to. I remember headline writers showing up and telling us, I got this cool headline idea for tomorrow's paper for, for this game. So it's just, it's just great memories. Uh, so much respect for this rivalry and what it means to everybody. For the record, thank you so much for referencing the 87 game when you were a little guy, given yeah. the fact that the last game I played in was 80. Well... Uh, I don't I know. remember you the 1980 nothing. game. Please continue. Please, continue. I wasn't there for the 1980 game. Please continue. So, Keith, as long as you brought that up, we'll do a little history lesson here. So, 1980 was also, sorry, but a one-point loss, right? One-point loss, yep. I'm curious because that was before – it wasn't before Schnellenberger, but it was before he had won a title in 83. Miami had not been very good in, in the early part of the 70s anyway. I'm just curious what the rivalry was like then. I mean, was that a huge deal that you lost to Miami or was it really all about Florida then? No, it was a huge deal that we lost to Miami for the reasons that it's still a huge deal 40, 45 years later. Our guys knew their guys. Both squads, Miami and Florida State, recruited heavily in the state of Florida. So you were playing against kids you had either played with or played against at the high school level. And while that might have not have made national prominence, and certainly Florida State was on the uptick and Miami was struggling a little bit until 83, it was a very intense personal rivalry because you knew people. They were not strangers. What year did Bobby and Schnellenberger pull out the boxing gloves and do that? Uh, Z- Joe Zizgaki referenced that I think it was 78 or 79. Okay. And I didn't mention it to Joe, but one of the things that was hilarious about that is, is uh, Schnellenberger faked a, 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 an underhanded punch that would have gotten Coach Bowden in the unmentionables. And, and that just tickled Bobby that, that, that Howard would do that. And there are a couple of still photos about the expression on his face that is just priceless. Anything else we should know from a historical point of view before we move forward 45 years, Keith? Just wanted to make you prove your worth. Well, just the fact that that from a recruiting standpoint and a bragging standpoint, this rivalry, I mean, it even goes back before that. You go talk to Barry Smith, who who I think last year was 72. You talk about the Coach Peterson guys that played in the late, uh, late 60s. I mean, Miami was the game because Florida had refused to play Florida State for so long that that got started a little late. And obviously, the FSU-Florida rivalry is very, very important. But the FSU-Miami rivalry with eight national championships between the two squads since 83, eight national championships between the two of them since 83 makes that pretty prestigious. Yeah, and that's a great point about the fact that Miami and FSU, they're they're the longest rivals for Florida State because Florida didn't the Florida series didn't start until later. So that, that's an excellent point. All right, Bob, what, what, um, as you go into this week, Florida state's a, a heavy favorite. I, I don't, 
I haven't compared when was the last time they were favored by this much over Miami. Cause frankly, I don't really care. I've seen the lesser team win. I've seen the better team be lucky to eke it out. I've seen the better team lose. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that's what's going to happen to Florida state, but I do know it's a rivalry game. So I don't really concern myself with much of that. Right. I, I think that the good thing is you came off a bye, you played Georgia tech, a team that you probably didn't respect all that much. And maybe you made your mistakes on the field. And now you can go back to the drawing board and say, we can't make those types of mistakes because we know and respect the Miami team that we're going to face. We played these guys in high school, you know, Murray Smith and Malcolm Ray, the Miami guys can say that guy was my teammate. I know he works hard. I know he's going to give us a, a fight on Saturday night. And you're going to hear that from a lot of the veterans on Florida state. What it comes down to, to me is, is kind of the obvious Florida state is going to win this type of game. If you play it 10 times, but when the Seminoles make those mistakes, when there's a turnover on the goal line, when there's, um, you know, the, the self-inflicted pre-snap penalties, when Florida State makes mistakes, they leave the potential open for another team to take the lead and potentially win a game. On paper, if you covered up the name Miami and looked at all their stats and all their numbers, you'd say that's a doggone awful ACC middle-of-the-pack team or, or less than middle-of-the-pack. But then when you uncover Miami, you say, oh, wait a minute, they might have Tyler Van Dyke. They've really got some great skill players. They've got some guys who visited Florida State who were probably at one point maybe even committed or thinking about coming to Florida State. You have to just realize there's that level of respect. And, and I think the players do. And, and that's why I think you'll get a, a really focused effort from them on Saturday. Bob, we talked about, particularly with Georgia Tech, that they would potentially play three quarterbacks. And, and those three quarterbacks had different skill sets, Sims and and. Uh, well, Garcia, whoever it was. In theory, you've got the same issue with Miami. Van Dyke is expected, maybe, kind of, sort of, might be back. And they've got two other quarterbacks that have different skill sets. How much difficulty, if any, is it for, for Adam Fuller and his squad to put together a game plan to defense an offense that could be having three different people you know, running it? I think it goes back to the paranoia of the preparation. You're stuck with it. It's your job. You know, that's what Adam Fuller said on Monday, that this is our job to prepare players for, okay, the injury report, this guy, when he plays, they're going to look like this. And this guy, when he plays, they're going to look like that. It gets a little bit more difficult for a defensive player when the quarterback, the guy who's taking that snap every play, it can look a little bit different. I, I think, there's a lot of people saying, well, you, you might rather see a, a Jake Garcia. Well, you, he's a five-star kid. He might have a great game when, when the lights are on. And Tyler Van Dyke, we, we know what he can do. We, we saw what he did last year. Um, he's got good wheels, and he can really throw it. And he doesn't have the weapons like he did last year, but they've still got a fantastic tight end in and, and Will Mowry. And we have seen what Miami tight ends in this rivalry have done, and and put up uh, put up impressive performances. So I, I think the challenge is in the film review, you've got to be prepared for each of those guys. You have to figure you're going to see, you know, even if say Van Dyke starts, you're probably going to see a little bit of Garcia or, or somebody else. So it's a lot to prepare for, but I think that's where that time, you know, watching film on the iPad, watching the clips and the cutups, 
that kind of film study will really pay off for the defensive players. I want to talk FSU basketball here, Bob. So just to final, what, what do you expect to happen? Is FSU going to win this game? Is Florida State going to win this game? I think so. I think it could be sizable as long as they don't make the mistakes. I, I do think this this truly could be a, a double-digit win. This strikes me as a weather the storm kind of game. Uh, you can get a lead. Say you're leading like you were at NC State. You just got to finish them and not give them hope. And if you do that, you can end up running away with it. That's what it feels like to me. Keith is not batting an eye over there because he's ready for 60 minutes of hell. I, it would not surprise me if it came down to a kick and you've got a Miami kicker that is the ACC specialist of the year and a floor or the week rather and a Florida State kicker that we're all just holding our breath because he's made two in a row, hopefully three in a row. Maybe he can make one more. There you go. And that, that means you've been around the rivalry for a while, Keith, because I'm jaded. Out. I am absolutely jaded. Yeah, yeah, that's how I think about it, too. All right. Let, let's talk basketball, because this this whole Baba Miller thing, Bob, and I, I guess you, we should probably enlighten our listeners a little bit. Thumbnail sketch on on that. And then it just seems like as big, maybe not as big, because that's a that's quite the book the NCAA has written on on uh, some dumb uh, rulings, if you will. But this one feels like, especially in today's climate, why? It, it just doesn't feel right. And I think the crazy thing about this is it is a rule that's on the books. And the NCAA felt right in, in doing this. From what we've been told, this was going to be a year-long suspension. And it got appealed to a half year. So you look at it and you say, in the NIL era, in penalizing a prospect for what happened two years prior, when he was not even a big recruit, you have to ask yourself over, I believe this was, was $3,000 that was repaid and relatively quickly once the family realized what was going on. Um, yeah, this is a bad rule that's on the books. Um, props to Florida State for appealing it and seeing this thing through and fighting for Baba, who frankly could be a one and done. So your your opportunities to see this guy are going to be very, very limited once he comes back right around, what, January 11th, I think, against Wake Forest. So it's a bad rule. The NCAA Transformation Committee has a laundry list of things that are, have much higher priority than to get to something like this. But when you think of a, a current student athlete who has a chance to earn $3,000 for, again, his brand, his name, image, and likeness, but a 16-year-old prospect did not have something that was you know, relatively similar. There, there are some similarities. Um, it's, it's really a tough one, and it's going to impact this Florida State team for an entire season. Two things, guys. Number one, Diego Romero. It's not the first time the NCAA has been stupid. Secondly, <laughs> National Collegiate Asinine Association. We need to break off the top 60, the top 80, the top 100 universities, form the own, their own governing body and do away with the NCAA. I'm done with it. It's oh, a really like ridiculous, ridiculous penalty. And I, I, I like that you stopped that stupid because you could have gone a lot farther. It it, it does, uh, especially in this climate. I mean, uh, we don't have to rehash everything, but I will. 
uh, I mean, Bobby lost wins because Florida State held itself accountable and self-reported, right? And meanwhile, North Carolina, instead of calling it an academic scandal or fraud or whatever the trigger word was, they called it something different, which isn't in the NCAA book. And so they got away with 20 years of a fake major with no penalties. Like the, the, the lack of equity here is astonishing. But more to the point on this case, uh, if it was a year and they cut it to a half year, I suppose that's good, Bob. But you know full well, that's really three quarters of a season because by the time you bring them back, it screws up all your rotations to integrate them back into the lineup. You're really into February before you you kind of feel where your guys are and and, and who you're going to bring in when. It's just it, it's just not right. And even Dick, I mean, not that Dick Vitale hasn't taken shots to the NCAA before, but he seems pretty vested in this one. He's He's got a daily tweet going out about the uh, the absurdity of this one. National right. Collegiate Asinine Association. I, I think what, what also makes it asinine, to, to be honest, is the lack of transparency. You know, we reached out to the NCAA to ask for clarification. Well, what was in the appeal? Why did you view it as going from a year to half a year? What was the argument? What What's your argument for this rule? And the NCAA chooses to you know, kick it back to the school and not give a comment. I think this is where the NCAA gets a bad rap. When you don't allow any transparency for your decisions, and again, the NCAA is truly a collection of schools, but in this matter, this is about a student athlete, and it's about the fans that care about the program, but you're also talking about college basketball in general. How do you legislate it? Is there consistency you know, case by case in, in how you legislate it with this interpretation of a rule that I'll be honest with you, it's compliance weeds. And I don't want to try to understand it any more than just to say it's a bad rule that's on the books, but it's nonsensical. It really, really is. And I, I think the guy that gets hurt is what, 18, 19 years old, and it impacts his future in this sport. As remember, the NCAA tried to control football television. Georgia and Oklahoma took them to court. The NCAA ruled that the NCAA could not do what they thought they needed to do. And now the NCAA generates no income off of college football. All of their revenue is generated from basketball. They're fixing to screw up basketball and there will be no revenue for the NCAA. Bob, we've only got a couple minutes left. Is the ACC supporting FSU in this? Because this feels like the kind of thing. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I, I know everybody thinks there's no way out of the grant of rights. But if there's a sliver anywhere, FSU's gonna going to find it. And it, it feels like the ACC could do FSU a solid if all the coaches in the league were pretty publicly ripping the NCAA here. But instead, I don't know if we're going to see a single statement or anything about this. And to me, it is just one more straw on top of the camel's back. Yeah, I'll be candid. I haven't reached out to the ACC specifically. Something we will do. The fact that we haven't heard yet, the fact that, uh, you know, the Duke coach, the Carolina coach, the Virginia coach, somebody hasn't stepped up and said anything is, is pretty surprising. I, I do think it's gotten a lot of attention around the basketball world as far as national writers addressing it as a news story, tweeting about it. Dick Vitale has a lot of swing in the industry as a guy who talks and loves passionately the sport. 
I'm I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't seen more of a stir. That's unfortunate, but I I, I think right now it, it's over. I mean, there are no more appeals. The appeals have been played out, unfortunately, and and this is what Bob and Forrest are stuck with. All right. Well, on that happy note, Bob, we're going to call it here and uh, and let you go. And uh, maybe you know maybe it'll be a surprise and we'll get happier news at some point. Appreciate it as always, though, sir. Take care. Fall is in the air. Football season's here, and your best deals are still at Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Whether you're tailgating at the game or taking a trip, we got what you need. With new vehicles rolling in daily and the best used car inventory in North Florida and South Georgia, it's a great time to buy. Looking for a truck? How about the RST or the Trailblazer, LTZ, High Country, or the ZR2? We've always got the right truck for you. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you. Or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Keith Jones fired up on this week's Front Row Knowles over the uh, ass- latest asinine decision of the NCAA. Uh, this isn't the perfect analogy, Keith, but it, it to me, this... Having this rule in the book still is sort of like going to a, an all-you-can-eat buffet where there's a stack of plates 50 high. You can get as many plates as you want, and you can eat out of any of the uh, offerings they have, but you're not allowed to eat the mashed potatoes. You can have everything else, but you, the mashed potatoes are covered, and you can't dig in there. I mean, this we're even, in this era where people are getting paid for everything, but you can't do this. It's even more asinine than that. You can have mashed potatoes but you can only have 3.275 ounces of mashed potatoes. And if you go one one thousandth of an ounce over, then you, you don't get to come back at all. And you can't put it on a bagel because not everybody has condiments for their bagel, right? That one actually, I think came off the books. Anyway, uh, disappointing news on the basketball front there on the, on the soccer pitch, Florida state will try to exact uh, some revenge against Notre Dame in the semifinals tomorrow night, Thursday night. And then against North Carolina, most likely in the championship on uh, Sunday, and and hopefully they can get uh, two wins and do it. What do you expect to happen? Let's go back to football and finish up here in the last couple of minutes, Keith. What do you expect to happen this weekend uh, down south? Tommy, I expect Florida State to win going away. Anything less than that will be a disappointment to me. Now, having said that, I was extraordinarily disappointed in the first eight, ten, twelve minutes of the Georgia Tech game. FSU did not come off the bye week. They did not regroup. They did not get refocused. They did not play well in the early going against Georgia Tech. That was a disappointment. However, they did regroup there in the second quarter. They did come out at halftime with the exception of the first three or four minutes of the third quarter and then ultimately dominate the ball game. Florida State needs to come out from the get-go, and as Coach Norvell has said, and we will echo, they need to play 60 minutes of clean football. And if they will do that, they will win this game going away, and they will position themselves to close out the season 
in a very, very positive manner. If they are lackluster, if they are not focused, if they turn the ball over, then Miami has enough talent, though they've not played well of late. And, and certainly this is not a banner year, but Miami has enough talent that they will take advantage of you if you give them the opportunity. So this is all about the name on the, on the front of the, of the Florida State players. This is all about Florida State playing the way they need to play, the way they can play, the way they know they should play, and now they have to go out and play. Uh, it looks like Mike Norvell got through to you, too. You're, you're singing from the, uh, the hymnal of It's All About Us. It's not about them. I like but it. But it's, it's a cappella. I don't even have a piano or an organ. Organ. Uh, and, and uh, mercifully, you, you were just talking, not actually singing. Because then, Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. All right. We're out of time, folks. Enjoy the game this weekend. We'll have a recap on Sunday. We'll do the show again next week. Uh, until then, he's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.